This is the Morning Buzz on Spice Radio, 1200 AM. You're with me, Natasha. With me is Mankaran. And today we're going to address some very important questions on our zero to five-year-old toddlers. And to help us through it all is a parenting coach based here in Vancouver. We have Dawn Whitaker with us. Good morning, Dawn. And thank you so much for your time this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So, Dawn, you are the expert in this field. Tell us a little bit about your background. So, I have been a parenting consultant now for about 17 years. And prior to that, I was a nanny. And my nanny career took me all around the world. And uh, I've been living in Vancouver now for about 19 years. That's wonderful. And, you know, I always tell people I'm a parent of three teenagers that parenting doesn't come with a handbook. Right. And it's uh, it's just so difficult to navigate even after so many years, different issues, different problems. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So we have you to help us through it all. So now I have my niece in Toronto. Uh, She's all of two and a half years old. I know that the parents are going through that, you know, terrible twos phase. So um, let's address some core issues here, Dawn. So let's go with first, you know, the behavior that we're looking at, behavioral issues that parents face for toddlers between, say, zero and five years old? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) The Uh, common issues. That's really, really broad. Um, (laughs) If we're talking about any behavior, we always really want to look at the age of the child because different ages, and like you said, different stages, and it's ongoing, as they're going through different cognitive spurts, that's really what is driving the behavior and even when we sort of talk about like terrible twos really it's not a a difficult behavior it's a different behavior to what you've been used to Hmm, that's true. Now, uh, we also kind of deal with, of course, with, you know, the terrible twos syndrome that we see or the phase that we see. And then we also look at, uh, you know, when they are probably getting used to different kind of achievements, like it could be potty training, it could be eating on their own. So let's get with potty training. When should we start that? So I like to do potty training in two different ways. So I like to, first of all, lay a foundation which is some very simple steps, Um, and I'll give you a couple of examples. And this can be done as young as 18 months. Now, what we're doing here is we're planting seeds around the process without actually committing to the process because the strategy side of it is a bit more challenging. So the first thing that I like to do is start planting seeds, you know, instead of changing a child maybe randomly around the house, start changing them in the bathroom. Start to put their poop into the toilet, push the chain, wash their hands, Get some really nice books around children that are being potty trained. And I really try to steer clients away from, you know, like a book about Elmo maybe using the potty, but really focusing on being a child using the potty. Also, if the parent's comfortable having the child go to the bathroom with the parent, and also if the, the parents start talking about what the body's doing. So, you know, if you are putting some poop into the toilet, you're letting them know that when you eat food, your body digests that, and this is where it comes out. And so you can do a few simple... I actually have this on the website, actually. as You can download it. It's a few simple things that you can be doing in the run-up to the actual process. Now, with potty training, the actual strategy itself is a little bit more challenging. And if you have a child that's in daycare, there has to be a conversation with the daycare in advance if it's something that you want to be doing, because you are going to need their support. Um, But the actual process itself, once you start the potty training process, it does take about two weeks. It can sometimes take a little bit longer depending on the age of the child. But you can actually start rolling that out as you're in the 22 months if your child is showing some ready signs. 
Do you think it's a good idea to introduce this portable potty, you know, the small ones that you have somewhere in the home, say in the bathroom, to just get the child accustomed to the fact that they would be sitting on the throne someday at some point? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you can put a small potty out in the bathroom. Um, what you can do is, you know, because a lot, of, um, a lot of parents have routines with children at the end of the day where they might be having a bath. And whilst you're running the bath, you could just get them to hang out on the potty for just a minute or two. And it doesn't want to be something that's forced. It just wants to be there. You can maybe just ask them to sit and just get them used to sitting down. Because a lot of parents in the potty training process itself have issues with children being fearful to sit on a potty if it's just something that's randomly just appeared. So absolutely having it out and about and just having it as an object is, is a good thing to be doing. And I like how you mentioned in the course of conversation that it's a team effort between, say, your daycare and what happens at home. Now, talking about daycare, how do you deal with separation anxieties? Babies are now getting used to, you know, going back to daycare. Holiday season is over. Yeah, I mean, separation anxiety is, is, a, is a normal part of childhood. It, it, it's very common to have these phases. You know, children might not know that tomorrow they're starting daycare, only the parent knows, and even though the parent might be talking about it, until the child's actually there at daycare, that, that's when it's kind of like hitting home, that, oh, hang on a minute, what, what's sort of going on? And, you know, if you do a gradual entry, that, that's brilliant, if you can. Um, I know through COVID, some of that, those practices did stop. I know that some daycares are now starting to go back to that. But if you are starting a daycare and you can do a gradual entry, that's going to really help your child, especially if the parents are allowed to stay for a little bit in the first week. And it's really just about them getting their, you know, used to the new routine. It can take quite a few weeks sometimes for children to get used to going to a daycare centre. And a lot of children also can be really overwhelmed when the parents are picking picking them up from the daycare centre. So you might actually see some tears at the drop-off and some tears at the pick-up. But, you know, talk to the staff if you're not sure. I mean, I remember my kids going to daycare and, um, you know, they're often a few tears when you're leaving. But once you've left, some kids are okay. Some children are still going to be struggling. But talk to the staff. They are totally used to it. And another little tip is don't have the staff take the child from you. You are better off kind of handing the child to the staff. Wow. Okay. And, uh, you know, of course, when the kid is back home, how do you kind of maintain the same routine? Because come weekend, you know, parents need a break too, and you cannot get through that same routine. So how do you kind of, you know, encourage them to sleep on time, to eat on time? And yet you want to also have a little break, right? Take it easy on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, certainly my my advice, especially if we are actually working on, on, if we're working on an issue, it is best if you can to try to stick to a similar time on the weekend. As you said, I mean, that's not always going to be how it goes. You know, if you've got a couple of children, you might have a child that's got a game or something. You might have a younger child that's having to skip a nap. Maybe they're sleeping in the car. I mean, that that is our life at the end of the day. But if you are working on a particular problem, trying to mimic a daycare routine at home on the weekend can be very beneficial. Sometimes what I, I hear clients say is that they'll allow children to maybe have an extra long nap on the weekend, but that that actually can start to have an issue then when we come to bedtime because now bedtime's getting pushed back later. So we do need to be a little bit mindful of those things. Right. Now, Dawn, you've been in this business for a very, very long time with your rich expert you know, experience in this field. Now, things have changed in today's world. We have this added pressure of... The devices, the screen time. So how do you monitor that? I think, and, and you know, this is definitely like a, a big thing right now. I mean, in terms of like screens, 
they're everywhere, aren't they? That it's not just a TV now. When I was growing up, it was just a TV. But right. now we've got iPads, we've got phones, you know, we've got tablets. Even in the school system, children are using tablets. And I don't think, you know, I mean, there are guidelines online that you can actually look up that sort of talk about how much, you know, is too much, what the suggested guidelines are um, in, for, for different ages. But they're here to stay. And it's really about monitoring what it is that your child is doing with, um, you know, if they're watching something that's educational, that's not so bad. And maybe afterwards you can have a chat with them about that and, and what have you actually learned. But it's also about having maybe a bit of a routine where that screen time comes in and don't get into the habit of using the screen as a prop in the sense of if, if a child's upset about something, maybe they're having a, a tantrum, just using this as an example, that the screen is coming out to stop the tantrum because that could actually reinforce some of those behaviours and actually make it more difficult. Um, it, you know, maybe it's something where at the end of the day, maybe you pick your child up from daycare and you come home, maybe you've got a few things to do, maybe they have a show that's just 10 minutes if they're young um, and it becomes part of the routine. You don't just want to be you know, using it as a pot, like say, as a soother almost. And one of the things that I am finding now that I do get a lot of calls about where parents are feeling stressed about the fact that they have a child that will only eat with a screen. Right. And that is becoming more and more common. Right. So how do you navigate that? Because one is, of course, a problem of being a picky eater, but the next problem is that they will only eat when they're distracted by what's yeah. happening on screen. Yes, and, and these are the kind of things that I help parents with. And normally what we do is we, we come up with a plan. It's all about having that plan. So it's like, okay, this is where we're at, and this is where, where I want to be. This is my goal. How am I going to get from A to B? That might look a little bit different just depending on the family. But normally it's about, okay, so the first step is we're going to have you know a routine and we're going to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner at this time. Now what we might do is take the screen away for maybe just dinner time, for example, and we have a goal and then we have a plan and we follow it step by step. And I've had, you know, creative plans for parents where we've rolled this out and we've made changes over like a three-week period. Because you are right that the concern tends to be if I just take it away, they might not eat. And then that creates another problem for the parents. The goal is we need the parents to be confident in what they're doing. Right. And you know what? Uh, the, this thing cannot be just uh, kind of uh, solved in a 10-minute interview. But of course, people can find out more on your website and of course, connect with you for your expert advice on it. But before I let you go, Don, uh, my niece, you know, has just dropped the F-bomb. How do I deal <laughs> with it? How do this, does the mommy and daddy deal with it? Do they look shocked? Do they kind of reprimand the baby? What do they do? I think if it comes out, and it happens, right? I mean, you've almost got to lead by example a little bit. So, you know, obviously you don't want to be swearing around your children, and I'm sure it might happen here and there by accident. But yeah. it really is best not to react, and then you can say, oh, maybe you meant to say this instead. Okay, okay. On that <laughs> note, how can our listeners get in touch with you, Dawn? Uh, you can find me on my website, which is Um I also have social media, and I know that you tagged me in a post, so anybody that follows your page can also find me today on your story. Uh, but www.dawnwhitaker.com. Wonderful. It was lovely chatting with you, Dawn. Have a beautiful week ahead. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure.